0: football fans welcome back to another episode of the underdog podcast where we talk g5 football and only g5 football for underdog dynasty this is another edition of what we've been calling all season joe talk and that is me joe serpico and my buddy joe bro back on the other line what's up man not much how are you ready for some aac football i think we were teased a little bit with a couple of those g5 Games over the weekend. Some of them actually turned out pretty well. Um, Boise did their part to prove that hey, G5 can compete with the P5. We'll talk about more bowl games a little bit, but the whole reason why we're really doing this show is if you kind of listen into last week's episode with Cyrus and Jared, and they were able to bring on Bud Elliott, who does great work with the uh, recruiting classes and signing days right around the corner. It's like I said to you earlier. It just feels, still feels, so weird to me that we're talking about signing day in mid December.
1: Well, we saw in the past few weeks how it affected the coaching carousel as well.
0: It has really made things interesting in the past couple of weeks, and so that's going to be the majority of what we're going to talk about this week. Kind of, you brought up that carousel and how it has impacted some of the teams in. The AAC. We're going to go basically go through the rankings of where they are today. Obviously, that is most likely really going to change by Friday. Um, it's a three day window, which, you know, is, again, this is all brand new to everyone. It's brand new to us who cover the conference, it's brand new to coaches. It's just really going to be one of those things that if you listen to what Bud was saying on the uh, podcast that they were talking about the recruiting, I think it was one of the more interesting things to me was how he said all the coaches that he had talked to were really in belief that they will have 80% of their classes done by this week. I thought, honestly, some of the higher tier kids would continue to hold out hope, but Hey, I think, I think it is in a whole, this is actually kind of good for college football. And we'll talk a little bit more about that why in a bit, but again, just to kind of bring it back what I was saying with Bud, like, Talk about how you feel about this new uh, national signing day being forward. The biggest thing
1: for me is how does this affect group of five schools and their recruiting? Granted, there's a bunch of kids that flip flop, you know, between now and the spring signing period. So I'm curious to see how, you know, some of those higher recruits that are being recruited right now, really hard by these smaller schools In the old way, they would just wait out until the end, and then the bigger school usually would win out. So, I'm curious to see how that affects the G5 schools. I think it's beneficial for them because they, it's beneficial for everybody because you, like you said, you can get 80% of your class locked down. But I think for some of these schools, like we'll talk about them in a little bit, but even teams like Memphis who's been going after a four-star quarterback instead of having to worry about him waiver between now and March or whenever this is it February when's the spring signing period February 1st yeah so between I mean it's it's not a long time but it is in terms of worrying about a kid and essentially having to babysit him just making sure okay well you've Committed to us verbally, but you haven't signed anything. So I think now that they have this period in December where they can get kids committed in writing, they don't have as much stress because they can just focus on a handful of kids. I do think that's going
0: to be a big beneficiary of the whole process. I do like the part where you brought up about how I personally think it's going to be good for the G5 in the sense of. You know, you hear a lot of coaches kind of making their really strong final push in these last couple months with the, let's say, fringe guys, you know, they're guys who are basically, that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for that, that power five school to come in there. So they're not committing to that, that G five school. This kind of sets of, you know, basically a deadline kind of early that says, Hey, if you're a G5 school, here's my offer to you. I have it there. You're not guaranteed to get another one from, you know, let's say Alabama or things like that. And just to kind of bring it back to like something recently, I mean, FIU just pulled a huge recruit, a JUCO recruit they that chose FIU over Alabama. I mean, I think that just kind of proves that this actually it could be really beneficiary just because in the fact this sense that. One, maybe he wants to get playing time, so that could be part of the reason why he's choosing FIU over Bama. But two, again, it's you know it's a done deal. At this point, he can't he can't go backwards once he signs that uh, letter on whether he decides to do it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. As opposed to where you know maybe Alabama wasn't hardcore recruiting him up until the past couple of weeks, and that's why FIU jumped out in front and
1: they got him like in this sense. Well, another thing I'll add to is I think some of these recruits that are considering G5 schools, they're not necessarily the top recruit for a team like Alabama or any of those Power 5 schools. Which helps us. So so. Yes, exactly. So they're they're getting a the guy and they're saying, "Hey, when you come to our school, you're going to be the guy." And there's some truth to kids thinking that that's appealing, especially if they're going like you look at Alabama, they have four and five-star recruits throughout their class every single year. So one four-star recruit, like this kid that's going to FIU, like he, you mentioned it, he's going to be the guy and he's going to play versus Alabama. He might have to wait a year just to crack the starting lineup or even play on special teams. Well, this is a Juco guy. So, you
0: know, he, you know I mean? He knows his time is limited as it is too. So he really wants to step right in. So I think that kind of helped in that situation. But in the sense of that, you know, I, another thing is the flipping. That's I think that's the main thing. It doesn't allow that period to come in, like I kind of mentioned earlier, where you know coaches can't really recruit during a season. Let's be honest. They're not recruiting. So once the bowl season opens up where we're at right now, so they can do a little bit of recruiting, and then, then there's those couple months there where obviously they can really hardcore recruit, but you're kind of taking that away now. Other than, you know, there's going to be those kids. Obviously, they're still going to wait. They're going to have that hope of, like I kind of mentioned earlier, if they are getting a ton of offers from G5 schools, but then they're kind of waiting to see if a P5 will come in there. You know, you can see those situations like that. But you can also see like the other situation where, and this is the kind of thing that I think that Bud and all we were talking about, could be a little bit scary, which is, say you're a kid and the a program. It tells you, hey, we really want you just kind of, you know, wait until the, this, the other signing day to make it official. And then when that other signing day comes around, like, actually, we got our guy, all, you know, we were waiting on this guy, so we don't need you anymore. So you, as a kid, have been stuck waiting around and you don't have that offer. So I think it has its pros and cons, obviously, but as a whole, I think this, this pick up that FIU had recently. I think that just kind of proves that that is why it's going to be really beneficiary to the G5 as a whole.
1: Well, I think also to bring, you know, some history into this, it makes this Ed Oliver signing even more significant because they did it without this early signing period. Granted, Ed was planning on going to Houston all along, but, you just think about that and getting him to go to a D five school without this early signing period is pretty impressive.
0: Can't argue that. Th- I mean, that class, I want to say it was a, was it 2016 class? If I'm doing my math correctly, that was probably the best class that the AAC has had as a whole. I don't think we can argue that just, just because of, I mean, honestly, you could just say probably just because of him, but that co- even they picked up a couple of four-star recruits that, you know, we're pretty solid for them too. So that was as a whole has been a great class. I guess that is a kind of a perfect way to uh, segue into kind of going over the rankings of what's been going on so far in the AAC recruiting. It's early. Let's, let's just say that just because there are not a whole lot of kids have signed yet. Obviously Wednesday will be the first day they really can. And then up until Friday. So these numbers are going to fluctuate. They'll change. But I do think at the same time, they also do show us a lot of things about the conference too. More importantly, as of right now, of the non-Power 5, let's just put it that way, or we're going to just say the AAC is now the P6, they have the top four programs in the rankings for those non-Power 5s. just I'm going to put it that way. So those, and then at number five, it's Boise at number 65, who was just behind one of the schools here. So the American has four of the top non five conferences there. Which I'm still in shock. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm still in shock about who's number one. It's just like, I'm just looking at it right now, and I'm just like, man, how are they? But uh, yeah, before we do it, go ahead. You were just about to say
1: something. What? Well, I can just lead into your point that Cincinnati's first which is just insane but they were third last year and for up until signing day they were I think they were either they were first or second and then UCF jumped them and who was second last year Memphis jumped them as well so I'm not I'm not quite as surprised maybe as you are but I think them being 45th right now is pretty surprising but Luke Fickle's obviously Got them going in the right direction, even though the season didn't go so well. But I think we knew the season was going to be at best like a six and six year. But it, we've seen that he can recruit, and he he's obviously showing that now. They have the top class in the conference,
0: not just in the conference. Other things that's what's like really makes me shake my head. Uh, again, the they have the best of the non Power Five. Like that's what just blows my mind. The Cincinnati, and it's been because you you mentioned Luke Fickle. He's just hammering the recruiting in Ohio like I was going through their list and I was like man he I mean they're all mostly Ohio kids which is great I mean that's obviously I mean, he is Mr. Ohio but I think it's he's done a wonderful job of actually it, it's one thing to talk about it like the guy is actually backing it up he's bringing the kids there and Cincinnati for the year that they had this year recruiting wise they should be on the
1: up next year right and I think it's one of those things that you mentioned that he's in Ohio, which you can get a ton of recruits from there. And it's easy to say that because there's obviously coaches that aren't doing their job or not doing as well. I mean, SMU's in Texas and they're 75th or 30 spots below Cincinnati. So just because you're in a hotbed of place for place for recruits, doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to have a class that's going to be good. So the fact that he is in a place where he can get guys to come to campus and he's actually, you know, getting those kids there. And I mean, you you see they're the top of the group five and they're higher than a bunch of power five conference or teams, excuse me, as well.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's just for me, we, you know, we've been doing rankings all season long and Cincinnati has been on the bottom. So it's just weird for me to see them on the top of something that we've been doing all year here. Uh, Give it time. Yeah. Give it time. Hey, maybe next maybe next year we'll be talking about Cincinnati and middle of the pack become power rankings. Anyways, let's just go. So, like, number two on this year's ranking so far is US, USF, excuse me. It's, it's South Florida. They are right now at 56. Coming off of last season, they were fifth in the conference, ranked 76. Again, this – their number last year seems low, and I think that is something that we will really dive into a little bit now. I guess is the whole fact that last season Charlie Strong got the job kind of late. So it really put, you know, recruiting in a flux a little bit. And we're going to see that there's certain conferences, actually, their rival, the UCF. They're kind of dealing with that same problem right now, where their coach is on the out, and you know they gotta kind of scramble to pick up recruits and things like that. But this is a USF team that's a very senior-laden team, so this actually could be a very important recruiting class for Charlie Strong because he's he's got a lot of guys, obviously Flowers, but then there's other guys on that team that are on their way out that they got a lot to make up for next season.
1: Well, and we knew Charlie could recruit. That was his biggest strength coming out of Texas and into South Florida. But like you mentioned, and we kind of talked about this before we started here, but you can kind of tell which teams are, they have their coach and he's coming back and which which teams are getting a new coach and which teams, you know, are kind of struggling. So you are t- starting to see that in the different numbers and whatnot. But I don't think there was ever a doubt that, Charlie could recruit. It's just a matter of transitioning those kids coming to campus to putting them on the field and producing a winning product. Now, he he did that this year, but I think people were mostly disappointed. I mean, I was disappointed in USF this year, but granted, it was his first year, so we can give him some time, but he's going to bring the kids to campus. It's just a matter of winning the games.
0: Which... Is only a matter of time, I think. I think next year will be a bit... Well, it'll be interesting to see what's the change of quarterback, obviously, with how things will operate without flowers there. He's arguably been the best player in this conference since it's been started. Greg Ward would give him a good run for his money, actually. Who comes from Houston is at number three. They are coming off a year where... Here's a... So, like, I guess we can kind of go through this now, too. So, there are certain teams that you can also see that their number from last year will be kind of similar to this year as well. And I think that kind of tells you where some teams sit in, how do I put this, in recruiting as a whole, you know, over time. Uh, uh, Houston, we it doesn't matter what kind of season, they're not coming, you know, they're coming off what I guess their program would consider a down year for them. And they're still right now, the number three class before it's all said and done, you know, they could end up with the number one class that wouldn't surprise. I don't think either one of us just because of where they're at down there in Houston. So again, I it, this is really no shock to me to find them at number three coming off a year where basically the numbers are almost the same. They're 63. Now last year, they were 69. I could, I could totally see them staying right in that that range there. And, continue to always be one of the better
1: teams in this conference agreed and I think fans Cougars fans are surprised I think pleasantly surprised with major Applewhite's efforts here I think last year maybe there was some people who were thinking that it was kind of a after effect of Tom Herman getting kids to come to campus and then it wasn't really Applewhite's first class and now that it's, you know, it's his it's his doing, it's his staff, he's the one bringing the kids to campus, and they're third in the conference. I didn't really know where I thought they would be, but it comes back to what we just talked about, where just because you're in, uh, you know, you mentioned it, they have kids all around them, and they don't have to travel very far to get them, but it's a matter of can you bring those kids to campus? And right now he's showing that he can. Which I don't think,
0: I mean, major was kind of known not just for his offensive. We knew he kind of knew the area well, so I didn't feel like the recruiting was totally going to drop off once he took over. So th- where they're at right now, like I said, wouldn't surprise me. They stay where they're at, end up at number one, but I can't see them dropping definitely any lower, probably any lower than where they're at now, to be honest. Now the the next two teams on the list are two teams that one really kind of ch- Shocks me considering how their program operates as a whole. And then the other one is just because it's a huge jump from last year. Uh, The first one being, which is number four, and that's Tulane, who's making a massive jump. And again, this is early, so that's why I want to point all this stuff out. They are coming off last year having the, the 11th best, I guess is the way to put it, ranking in the conference at 112th in the nation. I mean that's pretty bad considering there's only 132 teams, and then this year they're 64. That's a massive jump. Willie Fritz is getting it done.
1: It was definitely the biggest surprise, simply because is this is this his third or fourth year? I want to say third. Yeah, third year this year. So Maybe. you would think you would think that last year you would at least see some sort of improvement. Now I don't know what they're ranked in. 2016, but I'm going to guess that it was either around that same number or even maybe even a little bit better. So the jump from 112 to 64 was definitely the first thing that I noticed when I was looking at these rankings, because I expected somewhat of a jump in year two, but that, I guess, never really happened, and now all of a sudden they're 64th. They're 97th in 2016, so they went backwards, which is kind of concerning if you have a second-year coach and your recruiting class goes backwards, but like you mentioned, it's early. We'll see what happens in the next few days. For the most part, yeah, this is the one team in this conference that I was shocked, honestly, to see this high.
0: We all know about how they value academics over athletics, so i to me, that's like the thing that really blows my mind to see Tulane so high up in there. I mean, the knock on the school for the longest time has just been how they don't really put the the same effort into the athletic program that they do, or as other programs do, I should say. So that's why I'm just so shocked to see them at number four. Again, we both said it now. We'll see how things change. Uh, number five is my Temple Owls. Again, making a huge jump, but uh, you kind of brought it up earlier. This is a team that's making a jump because, again, last year Temple lost their coach after the bowl season, so late into it, which which has made this year so crazy. And and we're going to talk about one of these teams in a minute. We're seeing some coaches still coaching for their old team, Scott Frost, and then basically going to take – every coach and recruit that they've had and take them with them to Nebraska. And then you got a situation like here with temple where they last season didn't have their coach until after a bowl game. And then that kind of put Jeff Collins behind the eight ball really. And the recruiting search made them drop all the way down to being the, the last recruiting class in 2017 119th in the whole country and they're bouncing back with a, a number 70 as of today which I think is a pretty I mean it just it's one of those things again it just proves that you know that consistency consistency at head coach is really so important because in one second we're going to talk about what has happened to a team that probably had a very good recruiting class up until the AAC championship game.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that <laughs> Collins didn't really have a ton of time but can you can you imagine what coaches have to go through now with this early signing period like athletic directors almost have to as soon as they fire a coach they almost have to find another guy like asap because you got to get that recruiting class signed in December pretty much otherwise you're in big trouble
0: I mean I don't didn't really want to jump the gun but like a perfect example of this is Chad Morris is out SMU wanted to get – it has to be for recruiting. I can't think of any other reason why they would be doing this. They have Sonny Dykes ready to coach the bowl game. For what other reason? I mean, I understand maybe – okay, Morris might be taking most of the staff with him. Actually, I believe he is. So maybe I kind of forced their hand to make Sonny Dykes just jump right in right away. But you also have to think that recruiting is part of that as well. Like you're forced to – like you kind of said, like you have to just jump right into it right away –
1: Otherwise, you're just like Collins was last year. You're way behind. Yeah, you're gonna lose kids because they're gonna. There's nobody in charge. So why would you commit to a school where nobody's in charge? And kids aren't gonna commit to something that they don't un- know or they don't understand because if you don't have someone in charge, they're not. They're not gonna say, "Oh, I'll just come to your school because I like the school." Which, granted, they're st- student athletes, but like, they're committing to a coach and they're committing to a program. So they're not going to just commit and then hope for the best with whatever coach is going to show up.
0: Exactly. And in assisting coaches, so we didn't talk about them earlier, but they really do play an important factor in all of this. And again, that could be another thing that haunts kids where they commit to a school. And then the next thing you know, that coach that they were kind of trying to be with just goes MIA. And a perfect example is this number six team, UCF, uh, Frost is basically taking and that's the rumors that we've heard and they're kind of I mean it's shady business honestly if you if you ask me where he was going on these recruiting trips and basically telling them, I'm going to Nebraska hopefully that's not true I mean in my mind you can't not think that that's true though I mean if I was a coach, I would have to do the same thing. If I know I'm going to Nebraska, I want to do my best thing there. I'm going to bring those kids with me too. And he's bringing the whole staff. Again, it's a whole situation where UCF is sitting at this spot. If Scott Frost keeps that job, we could be talking about easily them being one of the best recruiting classes in the country. Now they are middle of the pack just because the whole situation is kind of in limbo now.
1: Yeah, I th- well, it's a it's an issue for another day, but it it comes to the argument of why do had why do coaches just get to leave whenever they want and, and a kid can if a kid wants to transfer, he has to sit out a year. We won't get into that because I think you and I are probably both on the same page with that and I think a lot of I think it's pretty much just the NCAA that doesn't understand that because money, yes. you know, it's it's been kind of your, your answer to all of my questions this, this year for why do stupid things happen? And your answer is money, which, which I know you don't believe, but that's just the correct answer right now, but it's still dumb. Hence why you get, you know, LeVar Ball comparisons Mm -hmm. in the last podcast. But I think, yeah, it's it's hard with for, it's hard on the kids and it's hard on, the program because, well, I mean, if you're if you're a recruit, I guess I guess Frost probably isn't telling a kid that he doesn't want to bring to Nebraska that he's leaving because he's probably just saying, hey, you're going to go to UCF, and then when he leaves, he's not going to bring the kid with him. But I don't know. It's I feel bad for UCF because I. Th- I want to be optimistic and say that Frost leaving won't have that big of an effect on them because they have so much talent and whatnot, but I just don't know if they can replicate that season that they just had. And you're seeing it even in the recruiting class, like Frost is gone and Hypel's kind of behind the eight ball here and trying to figure things out on the fly. And now they're 72nd, which you brought it up. If if Frost is around, we're probably talking about them as you maybe a top forty class and definitely the top group of five class for sure.
0: Oh, definitely, without a doubt. Just because of what they had done this year too. That would have you know all the momentum was behind UCF if he stays to bring in maybe even a better class and I was talking about that Houston class earlier. I mean, I don't see why not, just because of the Scott Frost was not just the biggest name in coaching right now. I mean, I think central Florida, if he stayed would have been one of, I mean, it would have been a hot spot for again, that would have really made this conference like blow up in a sense, but no, he's, he's on the way out. I do think it's kind of interesting to know. So I just pulled it up real quick. One of Nebraska's top recruits so far that have actually have committed so far, it's from West Palm Beach, from Florida. So be, I'm kind of interested. To, and it's kind of a recent commit as well. We're only talking a few days ago. So it makes me wonder, again, is this one of those things where where Scott Frost was just like, I got the job at Nebraska now, and just come with me. A little fishy business there. Fishy.
1: Well, and it makes it makes you wonder, was he... You know, like there's probably different kids that he would recruit to Nebraska that he wouldn't recruit to UCF. So, do you think he targeted kids that would go to Nebraska, and with the thought of I'm going to Nebraska? I don't mean I don't think that would happen because the whole Riley getting fired, Scott Frost getting hired, didn't. Didn't I mean it was late in the season? So I would, I would hope not. And I, I don't really don't think that it did. If it did, whatever, who cares? But you know, you makes you wonder did he recruit a Nebraska kid while he was at UCF even before the Nebraska job was opening? I don't know. It's I hope that's not true, but it makes it just makes you think like what he was thinking the whole time.
0: I just kept going through the list. There is a second commit from Tampa, Florida, that has committed in the past week. Not trying to say that it's a coincidence, but it, it just kind of seems like you know he's just bringing them with him. This is you know it's a three-star kid. If you're if you're Nebraska, who is right now trash. I mean, it, okay, you said it perfectly. Yes, they are trash. So they're they're willing to they're willing to take. Any three, four, you know what I mean? They'll take any three, four star kid and give it a whirl, see what happens. And it almost seems like it, it. This is these two guys that I just brought up, and I don't want to pick on them or anything like that, but it almost seems like they are exactly what I was saying earlier. That it was just Frost was just saying, wait a little bit. Once I get the job in Nebraska, you can come here because I mean, a Scott. Frost kind of knew that once he left UCF that they were going to be in a bind. He kind of left them in a bind, yeah. which is not cool. Like, I mean, he just kind of – I mean, he kind of screwed them over, let's be honest. I think I do give him credit for actually coaching in the bowl game, which we'll talk about a little bit. I do give him kind of credit for that because he could easily just, just snatched everything and ran. But at the same time, what I don't like about that too in a sense is, say he has a great bowl game, They they beat Auburn. Why, why is he not snatched you know what I mean that that's even gonna help him more in my sense to snatch up all those kids I'm just talking about and bring him to Nebraska If yeah all those Florida kid you know all those Florida kids are gonna watch and be like why am I gonna go to UCF he's gone I'm gonna go with him to Nebraska and let's go beat up everybody over
1: there The more this situation develops the more I'm starting to think that it's how how do they have such a good relationship? Like all these, I mean, granted, I don't know if any things are true, but you have a coach who the the signing gets announced before the season's even over, before their conference championship's even over. So he knew before that game even started. It's not like he, I mean,
0: he was tearing up at the end, you know, that post game yeah, where they I mean, you knew.
1: ESPN he, was trying to get him. He's like, I'm not going to, you know, basically was like, I'm not going to talk about it because he knew. Right. He knew that everybody knew. And if he's doing this, you know, recruiting thing where he's saying. Like oh you can just come to Nebraska and now he just gets to you know he gets to coach the bowl game and if they beat it yeah I don't know I just, I, I hope none of it's true I really I feel like I don't
0: he's know. he's totally an advantage right here he has nothing to lose oh yeah and this and UCF is the only school that has something to lose here
1: yeah. Nebraska get, has everything to gain yeah they don't lose anything. Yeah, I'm well, starting to wonder if that'll f- affect UCF against Auburn. But we'll talk about that later.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Let's let's go through these. We went on, as always, we went a little bit too long there. Number seven is, which, again, this kind of surprises me, to be honest. Memphis is at number seven. Coming off where they were the number two team last year. Again, it is early they have some pieces that they need to like turn over. So you would think, it almost seems like Memphis is dare I say quarterback you almost, but we don't know of a really of a guy that's like waiting in the wings for Memphis. So it kind of surprises me that they don't have a, a quality quarterback on their radar. Maybe, maybe that's coming in the next couple of days, obviously. But to just see them down sitting down here at number seven coming off the year that they had and and they also have to replace Anthony Miller as well. So it's just kind of it's kind of interesting to see them sitting this low at this point of the year.
1: Yeah, it I I was a little surprised to see I mean UCF's only two spots ahead of them right now, which is crazy that the two teams that made the conference championship are this. But we're talking low about winters. two teams
0: like one team has everything intact coach you know and i guess memphis was one of those teams that there was rumors swirling so maybe that's maybe that's the reason yeah be good, right? all those rumors I mean, that were sw- that were swirling about mike norvell so the teams right or excuse me recruits didn't know to so actually now i just kind of said that i really just make kind of prove my own point i guess huh
1: right yeah so it's, it's probably a, a distraction that might have affected them but Last year, Memphis rose up kind of late in the rankings too, so I think that's kind of what Norvell's going to do this time. Uh, they, I've, From what I've heard, they have a few recruits that are going to help their class. They have a four-star quarterback that I mentioned earlier that they're going hard after, and obviously that would help them a ton. So it's one of those, I think a lot of these schools, it's, it's just early right now, like you mentioned. So it's kind of a wait and see game at this point.
0: Now, number eight is SMU. And this is a prime example again of one coach out, another one in Chad Morris could be doing the exact same thing. Granted it's, I guess that's a completely different situation. Scott Frost knew, probably Scott Frost probably knew months ago. He was getting that Nebraska job. Chad Morris knew or was probably, you know, he had his eyes set on moving and we talked about it. We thought for him personally, it was probably a year too soon, but Hey, it's an SEC job. You can't not take the job, but he could also be snatching some of those recruits away from SMU. So that's why we are finding them so far down on here. and, and I brought up Sonny Dykes earlier, it it puts him behind everybody else in the sense of where he's got to try to, you know, s- salvage what he can and then see if he can bring anything from where he came, where he was coming from.
1: Morris should have waited a year, but like you said, it's a it's an SC school, SEC school. What are you going to do? And I don't know. I, I felt, I felt good about SMU. They're going in the right direction. And then two years later, it's Morris is gone and we don't know what's going to happen with Sonny Dykes. And what does that mean for the recruiting class? Right now they're, I mean, they're 75th, which isn't terrible. But what happens now that Morris is going to be gone? I'm kind of worried that we're going to see a ton of fluctuation that we are not anticipating. And for SMU, that might mean going in the wrong direction. I hope not, but that's just kind of what I'm thinking right now.
0: The yeah, SMU is going to, is another team that's going to lose quite a bit after the season's done. And now they're losing their coach. Sonny Dykes has taken over. Uh, I did think actually me personally, I thought it was pretty cool how they agreed to a home at home with a uh, La tech who they're playing in the bowl game, which we'll talk about a little bit. And, but, that's also something likes his old school. So I think that's actually pretty neat. Um, but let's keep going through these rankings. Number nine is Navy, who as of right now has the 78th class coming off of last season where they had the 88th class, which was at the same spot in number nine. And this was one of those examples that I was talking about earlier where I feel like this kind of shows where navy stands in college football's recruiting rankings as a whole they're all they're never going to be a top 50 class they'll never probably be a, a bottom 100 class just because of the reputation they have but it's also you know it's a service academy so they have their obviously their own disadvantages and advantages i don't want to call them all adva- disadvantages there but it's one of those things where they're always going to be probably in that 8, 9, 10 spot in this conference every single year. And they'll still be competitive.
1: Well, it's funny that we, <laughs> I mentioned SMU and how 75, you know, 75 is not bad, but it's it's not great for them. But then we talk about Navy and 78 like, is pretty good. That's pretty good for them. For them, yes. So, yes. I mean, <laughs> it's funny how three spots... And two different teams just changes your whole perspective. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy to see that they're, they're just completely different at,
0: athletes. Right. I mean, right. let's be real. They're just com- people. That's, I mean, let's just say people. Let's just be, they're completely right. different. And people. Navy's
1: recruiting all over the country, whereas SMU is right in a hotbed of players.
0: Exactly. And that's, and you would think SMU would be able to shoot above a lot of these schools that are ahead of them, but again, the whole coaching carousel has really kind of screwed them, to be frank. Uh, number 10 is ECU. Right now they have the 83rd ranked conference, or excuse me, ranking in the country, which again, I mean, to me that just seems high. Just for Where they sit statistically in most of the categories offensively and defensively this year. And I was actually kind of shocked to see they finished sixth last year. And they were this bad this year. Yeah, they're out to prove you wrong. Well, if they don't let's put it this way We we had the talk about coaching Carousel already, and somehow Montgomery has kept his job here. Well, I think
1: he can recruit. Yeah,
0: we're seeing that. It's about time to see something on the uh on the playing field next year. Yeah,
1: we'll we'll see. I think they might might surprise you. You might have some positive things to say about them next year.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll finally make it a number 9 in our power rankings. We'll see about that. Number 11 on our list is a Yukon team. This is one of those weird situations, so they're not making a big jump at all considering where they were last year. They were well. They were the number 10 in the conference last year. Right now they're 11th. They were the 101st class last year. They're 96th now. So there's really no big jump, which, again, Randy Edsel is a returning coach. So you kind of expected a little bit of a jump here. And, yeah, again, it's early. So maybe he has some trick of his sleeve that we don't know about. But it just doesn't seem like UConn has much on the horizon considering it looks like as of now, the past two two years of recruiting are pretty lousy, to say the least.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to stick to basketball. <laughs> it's just you, you had a bad year, and there's not much to get excited for in the off season. But it's not going to be as nearly as bad as the next team we're about to talk about. I got some things to say about them.
0: It's crazy, uh, just before we get into it, because it sounds like you really want to get into it, and I'll let you do it. It's crazy how a school like UConn has two crazy good basketball teams and puts no effort into football.
1: Basketball school?
0: Like that. I mean, you can make that school be a legit powerhouse if you really right. wanted it to be. Yeah. I guess not. Put a little bit of effort the football. Just a little bit of effort. Well, you knew football.
1: when they rehired Edzel, those was kind of, you know, they don't really know what they're doing. Yes. I
0: live in Maryland. I watched that debacle. All right. So I'll just let you have at it. Number 12 is Tulsa, who is sitting at right now the class of 101, coming off a miserable year that they've had this year. I'll give them some credit, just because I don't know what you're about to do here. You're probably about to blast them, it sounds like to me. But... Tulsa's been bad this year. They've been a team that, yeah, the record is the worst in the conference, but they've been in a bunch of tough battles, so maybe Montgomery can use that to his advantage in the recruiting trust.
1: I expected them to be a lot better. With Same here. Because... oh, You're talking about recruiting class? Way better. Yeah, and I think with – well, I'll just say this people had such high expectations for them this year. I personally didn't, but that's just me. People thought that, okay, because they went 10-3 and last year in Montgomery's first year, which I don't think any of us saw that coming, so that was really a surprise, but then they had the year that they had this year, and now they have this sort of recruiting class. Now, granted, it could go up, and I really hope it does, because I like Montgomery, and I like what he did in the first year, but if this is a sign of, of things to come, he might be the Montgomery that gets fired and not Scotty, which is crazy to think. I mean, I can't argue that. He's not going in the right to, he's not going in the right no, direction not at all. Right now. At least at least Scotty's recruiting. Uh, yeah, can't argue that. I mean, cannot argue that whatsoever. So that's that's what scares me.
0: He's literally has done nothing to solidify that job. You brought
1: it. at least one is recruiting. I mean, Phillip at least recruited last year, 85th last year, but ECU beat them out last year, too, and now Tulsa's 101st. It's not like they went to 86. like it's, They're in triple digits. Yep. The
0: only team in the conference in triple digits, too. It's crazy to me, too. Uh, I hope it gets better. But, again... It's early. You know, We, I I'm, I guess we can just kind of keep reiterating that, but it is still kind of early. All these numbers can change. In four days, they probably will change. Well, they will change. We know that. And I'm curious to see where how teams end up. You know, there's certain teams that I know the two of us are really going to keep an eye on. Uh, that's obviously one of them, Tulsa. I really want to see how they end up. But a team like SMU and obviously UCF, I really want to see what happens in that so, UCF for me is the, the team in the whole conference that is the major wild card. Like we, they could, maybe they sit in the middle. Maybe I'd see it. I honestly think that Frost is just like sitting there licking his chops. That's the thing that bothers me about all that. Like just like I literally have everything in my hands right now. Like, if I have a great game in that conference champ or excuse me, conference championship, if I have a great game in that bowl game, I can have any recruit in the country. I can make it, you know, he can almost spin it to be like, look, I could do this with kids at UCF. Imagine what I, you know, I, I'm not trying to, like, degrade them, but, like, I did this with kids at UCF. I can really, really do this with four or five-star recruits, and he's already snatched a bunch from Florida already it's that's the part of it that's to me that seems like real shady business that he's done
1: i'm just not a fan of the coach sticking around and i don't i know that they have a it seems like they have a good relationship which is just kind of weird to me it does seem weird to me i mean i i'm not it's i think it's weird because it's it's not common in college football with coaches leaving and whatnot and most ad's kind of not resenting them for it but i mean some do but for the most part it's just like hey it's a business decision and You just kind of move on. I just I'm surprised that UCF didn't say just okay, thanks. We had our coach now. You can just move on. And I don't know if just get out of here at this point. Well, I don't know if it's because like what's UCF going to do? Because every coach that they had is going to be gone. Is Heupel just going to throw in a new offense? They're going to get killed. That's what
0: Sonny Dykes is doing though.
1: Well, you know, SMU is also seven and five. We don't really care about them.
0: Is it, at this point, okay, well, for the sake of the argument, is it one of those things where UCF is literally just hoping that they don't get killed by Auburn otherwise? Because you said it. They're taking everyone. They're all gone.
1: Basically, everybody on the recruiting or coaching staff is gone. Yeah, if so, you install if you install new schemes, UCF's going to get crushed. Yeah. You can't learn it. I don't care how much time you have. Like, you can't learn new schemes and – and to have new offensive and defensive coordinators in a month and expect to win like they're gonna they would get killed so that's the only reason why I'm okay with it because at least it gives a UCF a chance now it, if if Hypel came in they just they would they would just get destroyed and it would just it would just it, I mean the season's already kind of ruined because Frost left but it would make it worse because they would just get crushed and everybody would really like, big. Oh, the AAC can't play with his SEC and that. Yeah, it just, it wouldn't end well. So I guess that's the only reason why I'm okay with it.
0: That's the only reason I'm okay with it too, just because I don't want to see them get killed. Again, it's it's really an entirely messed up situation. Again, he has he has all the advantage here, which is kind of sad. Like, it should be about the kids. I thought that's what college sports were all about, but hey, we've everything has proved us otherwise about that. Um, just to kind of give a small recap of what we have seen so far. It's early. Last year we only saw two four-star prospects sign in the whole conference. This year so far we have none. You mentioned it earlier. Ed Oliver by far still the best prospect to ever sign in the conference. Maybe this year something changes with these new rules. There's not going to be another Ed Oliver, but maybe we see a lot more four stars in this conference because like I brought up that FIU kid to me, that's one of the main reasons why I think that this is going to be great for the, for the group of five as a whole. So these next four or five days for the entire conference, because Astral signing day, I, we talked about is coming up, but now we got the whole conference is about to start their bowl game slate. There's a ton of actual bowl games this week involving AAC teams. We got one on Wednesday. And that's the first one for the American Con- Athletic Conference. And we kind of already brought up Sonny Dykes a little bit. That's why we can dive into this one. It's the La Tech Bulldogs, his old squad going against SMU. Games at a 8 p.m. on ESPN. Again, that's on Wednesday. And that's the Frisco Bowl. It's, it's again, I, I in my eyes, Dykes kind of got put in, or Dykes and SMU almost got put in a situation where we just talked about what it would mean to UCF if they got everybody out of there. That's, that's basically what's happened to SMU. Chad Morris has taken everyone. That's kind of forced Dykes' hand to be the coach for this game. I really don't know what to expect out of this game. I that just to be frank, I I don't know what to make of this game. It's SMU right now is a favorite,
1: which blows my mind considering that. Could you imagine if this is what I the one one thing I always have been thinking about since this matchup was announced? Could you imagine if we you took. This year's SMU team, and they played against last year's Louisiana Tech team. That game would be ninety to eighty-nine as a final score. Yes. Neither team played defense, and they. Oh my gosh, it would be so fun to watch. The only reason I think SMU's favorite is, I feel like Louisiana Tech just hasn't been very consistent at all. Which granted, SMU hasn't, but at le- well, at least their offense has been consistent. I think S- or Louisiana Tech's been just kind of inconsistent all around, whereas SMU's defense has just been trash.
0: Oh, can't argue that. I mean, that's been what we've been talking about all season long, just the fact that SMU would arguably be competitive on that west side if their defense could stop a one drive, <laughs> at least just one drive. And I keep bringing up the fact that D- Dykes, again, he will be nine days on the job, come game
1: day. Nine days, and there's yeah, spe- that's not ideal.
0: That's it's not ideal. So I brought up that number, that number five earlier, and here's another thing I wanted to point out. So the last time that Sonny Dykes was on the same field as a La Tech team was four years ago. Since then, Skip Hicks has been four straight bowl games. Who? Skip Hicks. Who's coach. Skip Holtz. Holtz. Why do I have Hicks right now? Oh, I'm thinking of Ben Hicks. Ben, ben Hicks, Hicks is the quarterback y- Yep, year. that's exactly why. <laughs> and that's the name I have written above. My fault. Um, but anyway, so since since he's taken over as coach, they've won every bowl game. Also, all um, it's in my eyes, all. The everybody knows that I am the picks guy at this site I guess at this point don't tell Barcelona that because they get in trouble don't don't lock me up for those kind of things I don't actually do it for money but ha- all that just points to say go LaTex way all everything I mean new coach nine days Holtz has been there all this time they've won three straight bowl games I should say This this points to me a fourth one with ease. Just just take Loctite. Be smart, and that's not even on the on my piece that I actually wrote about it, which has been doing phenomenal, by the way. Can't just keep winning people money. I can't just keep feeding you guys winners and not getting any credit for it. So somebody give me credit for it. Let's go through it, and the next game for the aac this week is the bad boy mowers
1: gasparilla bowl you got all that aka the bowl that should never be happening because it doesn't matter no offense to your owls wow i haven't even
0: going to this game but thank you i am leaving in a couple hours To fly to uh, St. Pete for this game, and I'm using it. You'll probably be there by the time people are listening. Actually, that's a good point. I probably will be. I'll be sitting on... So say hello from sunny paradise. I'll tweet you guys from the beach in a little bit. Don't worry about it. Beach of St. Pete, probably with a bourbon in my hand, but that's a different story. Hey, let's talk about this actual game. I think the thing that literally blows my mind about this game, why is Temple favored? By a touchdown what yeah blew my mind i i I hadn't i literally so when i was going i went through the espn app and you know how i've been all season long about looking at their numbers and i'm like okay well that number's wrong espn screwed up again then i went to bovada and i was just literally it was like one of those things where i wanted to throw my phone how is temple a seven point favorite over an eight and four fiu team Maybe
1: because they played well the last three games?
0: FIU I has know. had a pretty solid ending of the season as well for them, I would feel like. Yeah. I, I This is one of those things. I can't explain I that. I don't get it either. And I'm a alum. Die hard. Going down there. Can't wait to see this game. Don't get it. Seven points it's a home game for FIU. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I don't don't get it either. What do we know? I I can't go any more in-depth than that because I'll be there. So unless you got more you want to talk about, we can move along. Move along. Birmingham Bowl, which is being played on Saturday, December 23rd. That's a 12 p.m. start on ESPN. Charlie Strong versus uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, we're going to see a ton of points scored in this game. I think, honestly, for me, the highlight of the whole game is USF is struggling to sell the tickets to the game just because everyone's like, it's more on one of those things. Why? Why? Why, if you're a USF fan, do you want to go all the way to Birmingham for this game?
1: Especially when your team's not fun to watch. Ooh. Okay, they're open. They're, okay. they're just overrated. Ooh. They haven't beat anybody. I'll continue to say that until somebody at our website finally sees what I'm talking about. They
0: haven't about. beat anybody. I agree with you.
1: They lost the two games that they had a chance to prove us wrong, and they didn't. So... Why would you want to go watch a team that can't beat teams that are better than them?
0: You still would think it is a Texas Tech team. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's a Power Five team, so you want to beat up on them. I hope at least for the sake of, because the fans obviously ain't showing it, but I hope for the sake of the players, Quentin Flowers and company says, hey, we want to show
1: that we can beat up on a team like this. I'm kinda of glad that they didn't they weren't the New Year's Six representative of this is how their fans are gonna treat them. Like good grief. Why wouldn't I, you want to go I, watch Quentin Flowers one more time?
0: I I I agree with you totally. I'm, He's i one of the I best. Can, he the he best is the best in player to come out of the conference. He's the best player to come out of the conference, other than Greg Ward. Yeah. And then uh, Ed, 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 what's I'll say then Ed, all, Ed, all, Ed all, yeah, and I'll kill everybody. Once, once he's drafted, like, number five in in the upcoming—oh, no, he's—geez, no, he's got to wait another year. No, he's got another year. He's still got another year. Once once he's number two in next year's draft,
1: then everybody will know what we're talking about, finally. Yeah, but apparently Bulls fans don't care.
0: That's pretty obvious, based on those numbers.
1: I mean, why don't they go to the
0: Hawaii Bowl? I would love to go to the Hawaii bowl. What about you? I was honestly hoping Temple was gonna be in the Hawaii bowl. I was well, look I yeah. was just looking for a good excuse for a vacation this year. That's the real reason why I'm going down to Florida.
1: Not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean I wanted to go to Hawaii, but I don't have nine hundred dollars to fly down there. That's all it is for you? Man, that's
0: nice for you. You're a little lot closer than I do.
1: Yeah, that's still nine hundred bucks to fly to. Hawaii.
0: It's Hawaii. I'd spend $900 to fly to Hawaii. But hey. I got other things to pay for in my life, you know? We'll talk about that another day. Yeah. Hawaii bowl. Again, so this is one of the games I do have in my underdogs against the spread. Houston is a two and a half point favorite, which I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one in this that kind of shocks me because I feel like Fresno state this year has been a very solid team. They have a great defense and yeah, Houston has been a lot better since King has taken over a quarterback. But I'm, I mean, I've basically put it down to cause Houston's got a lot further to travel and yeah, whatever. Okay. They're, they're dared probably a week in advance and whatnot, but we have argued against Fresno being this great team all season long, but in my I don't know, I've kind of watched Fresno a little bit this year. I've watched Houston a little bit this year. What I've seen from Fresno, I like them better than Houston, so that's why I'm I personally think that Fresno, this is a game for them. That's why I have them in my underdogs against the spread pick.
1: Let's be honest. Both teams are winners because they get to go to Hawaii for a bowl game. Who cares who wins this, the games? They get to go. To
0: Hawaii. About, you just said you
1: don't want to go there. Now you want. They're winners for it. No, I want to go there. It's just I don't have money to go travel there. If someone pay, if I was on one of these teams and someone paid for me to go there, oh heck yeah, I'm going. Well, that's obvious. It's different when you have to pay for it. If I'm getting paid for and I'm getting all this bull gear and probably a brand new Xbox One X or PS4 or whatever. It's Christmas. All that. They're literally going to spend yeah. Christmas in Hawaii, too. You don't want to do that. Yeah. So it's a little different when I have to pay to go there and don't get all that stuff versus when these kids get to go there and for free and they get
0: all whoa, this. Whoa, stuff. whoa, 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 whoa. It's not for free. Yeah, whatever. NCAA rules don't allow that. Yeah, yeah, NCA, whatever.
1: Doesn't allow anything for free. There's no for free. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. They went apparently it's free to for coaches to leave whenever they want. That's free. Oh wait, cuz they're not students. Yeah. So it's fine.
0: Ed Oliver's probably going to school for free, but hey, that's a topic for another day. The Military Bowl is on December 28th. Uh, ESPN on that day. It is the Virginia Cavaliers versus Navy midshipmen Navy as a one and a half point favorite. That's probably just because of the fact that it's basically, it, well, basically it is a home game for them. That game is played at Navy stadium. Hoping I'm there for that game. I'm, uh, I'm trying to see how that works out too. So hopefully I will be there for the Gasparilla and the military bowl. Um, I mean, I've kind of made how I feel about Navy all season long, Phil. They're that one team that when you play them one time a year, they're almost impossible to stop. But this is one of the circumstances. This is a Virginia team that's going to have weeks to prepare for a triple option. So that's why I feel like that kind of gives them the benefit of the doubt as opposed to all season long where most of these teams don't have that same time to prepare for them. So, honestly, I honestly can see Virginia winning this game.
1: Give Brock a and all time to prepare and good things come out of it. That's all I'll say that's what it.
0: that. That's what I, honestly, yes. That's honestly what I was thinking, too. I mean, the guy, give him a couple weeks. It's one thing, like I said, if you are midseason and you've got six, six seven days to kind of prepare for something, you give them almost a month. It, it, it's really not that hard to do you know, to defend a triple option when you've got all that time, and I, I don't want to say that hard because it still has difficulties, obviously. But you know, it kind of really helps out when you have all that time, to, where you don't have to make that. You know, one week in the conference you can be playing a spread offense, and then all of a sudden you get stuck with this this triple option, just completely throws you out of whack. It's true.
1: Yeah, I mean. I don't think this is the Navy team of teams past though, so that's why it's
0: no. Easy. That's why that's why I feel like Virginia has a legit shot to do so. Yeah, for sure. Even though uh, Malcolm Perry really impressed me in that LS game, if they decide he really brings some speed that I don't even think Keenan Reynolds had. Oh yeah, that kid's He's got wheels. Yeah, that kid was quick. Anyways, we got two more. And arguably, probably the two most important for the conference. No, no one the ar- first one, not
1: arguably. They are. Well, yeah, okay. They are. There's yes. a big gap between the rest of the teams and these two.
0: The uh, first one being the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Iowa State, 7 5 against Memphis at 10 2. That game is on the 30th, 12 30 on ABC. Memphis is a favorite, three and a half point favorite. Again, I'm going to put this, this is a team I have them covering on my dollars against the spread because I think this is a game where Memphis comes in, where we've been kind of, they have a lot to prove. Iowa State, at this point in the year, do they really got the proof?
1: Well, I mean, they proved that they're done being Paired with uh, Kansas in the bottom of the Big Twelve, so that's about it. That's that's enough for them, I think. Well, I mean,
0: any hype around that team has been built up on the first what four or five weeks of the season because since seven, then they've been terrible.
1: Yeah, their offense has been very inconsistent.
0: They've been terrible since.
1: Joel, so Manny, I mean, it's fun to watch. I'll give him that.
0: But I get, I I think this is Riley Ferguson. Anthony Miller, last game. At they're home. gonna go nuts. At home, yep, yep. Forgot to mention that. At home, they're gonna sling it. I, I don't know. What, do. I I don't know what the record is, but hey, nine, ten touchdowns wouldn't surprise me. Literally, think they might catch. They might throw twenty balls to each other. I would. I would love that. That would be great. Uh, I literally think that just might happen. They're both, their last game, two prolific guys in their program. Have at it. Well, for all we know, they maybe they're on the same team next year. In the NFL.
1: We'll see about that.
0: We will and see then, about that. last but not least, is that Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I mean, we've kind of already dived into it a little bit. It is a 12-0 and number 12-ranked UCF team taking on Auburn. An Auburn team who is ranked number 7, but has three losses. But hey, that's an argument for another day, right? That game is on New Year's Day. It is the first game of the day at 12.30 on ESPN. And I want to just put it out there right now. And I've already kind of said it. Scott Frost has everything to play for in this game. And for some reason, I think he actually gets it done. I think Adrian Killens might have like put a uh, bullet on their Somebody back. Somebody put a foot in his mouth. Yeah, like they put a bullet on his back a little bit because what he said is kind of true. That speed is freaky fast that they have down there. But there are other
1: SEC teams that got some freaky fast guys down there. But again, yeah, but Killens also weighs like a buck fifty, and the first time he gets hit, he's gonna fall back ten yards. Okay, yeah,
0: that's also true, and that's almost every game, though. True, this is true. That is almost just about every game. But once he gets going, the kid gets going. So it's one of those things. I real, it's gonna. Ha- I've already said it in my head. They're gonna do it. Scott Frost is somehow going to find out, find a way to do it. And he's going to steal all those recruits.
1: I honest, I hope you're right. I, just, I want UCF to win so bad, which is, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if that's smart to, because I feel like I'm just, I'm not thinking clearly when I'm thinking about this game. I think UCF has the talent to do it, but the circumstances surrounding their program right now are just not favorable. If if Scott Frost said he was staying and wasn't going to Nebraska, I would I would think UCF has a great chance of winning, if not like winning by a good margin, but because of everything going on, I just don't feel comfortable with saying they're going to win confidently.
0: I just think that UCF has something to prove at this point of the year. Some are saying that Auburn has their thing to prove, just because okay, they lost the SEC championship game, and that's so they got knocked out of the discussion of the the uh, college football playoff. And Alabama's in there, and they beat Alabama. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Alabama's still a th- or excuse me, Auburn's still a three loss team this year. Three loss. Do they really think they should be in that discussion? In my eyes, I don't think so. And yes, in my there's part of me that's like, how do you go against Gus Malzahn' offense? Their offenses are always crazy, phenomenal. We have seen in the past couple of weeks that Knights' defense isn't anything to harp on, to say the least. I don't know. There's just there's just something in my head that's just like. Scott Frost has had magic this year with this team. And we can say whatever I've said all these things about what's ahead for for UCF. But we can't deny what's happened all season long. Like there this team has been really good. He Scott Frost loves these kids. Granted, what's good, you know, he's leaving them, obviously. But you know, I will go back to that same interview where he was asked the question if he was leaving for the Nebraska Bob or job he was clearly upset because it was pretty obvious he likes these kids that's the reason why he's coaching this game at the same time is he really likes these kids because part of me really also makes me feel like these kids are going to really ball out for him one last game they have something that they want to prove
1: and auburn doesn't have anything to prove i mean i i i'm right there with you i want it to happen just as much as you do. It's going to happen. I just like, told you it was going to happen. Auburn winning the game doesn't do much. UCF winning, you know. Does a lot. Does for a the lot. Conference. Yeah. For the whole North conference. Country. Well, and for college football, too. Just adds, an, it's another example of a group of five team proving that they can beat a good power five team. And we'll need Memphis to help us out, obviously.
0: Right. Even even a even a simple, and I hate, you know if Navy starts it off against obviously I don't want to say Virginia is a great AAC team, or ACC team. Excuse me. Uh, it's a start, and then you go and you beat Iowa State, and then you go and beat Auburn, and you're literally saying, "Hey, how could you leave us out of the power discussion? We're beating up on you guys now." Exactly. So hopefully the next time we do this podcast, that's the discussion we're having. We're talking about legitimate power six movement because we're going to have all our teams. Hell, they're all a favorite except for UCF. Every single one of them is a favorite. So why aren't we talking about this being a power six yet? Huh? I guess we got to wait six more months for that conversation to do. Uh, We'll see. We shall see. So, I guess this is the last episode of uh, 2017. So, it has been an absolute pleasure to be doing all this with you all season long, Joey. Uh, We will do this again, obviously, throughout the offseason, but just not nearly as much because... Let's be honest. National Sighting Day is uh now. So we don't have to do anything in January, or February, really. Maybe one in February. Maybe. We'll see. It'll be a it'll be an off season to take off, but hey, it's like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure to do this with you all season, Joe. Agreed, likewise. And hopefully 2018. Well, first off, let's just say hopefully 2017 closes with a bang for the conference. And then we have a lot to talk about in 2018. I guess maybe in uh, our next episode, once the new year comes around, we will actually give a kind of a a update of how the recruiting has actually finished out and uh, all the seasons have kind of turned out, kind of maybe a recap, uh, if you will, of the whole year. But again, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this with you guys all season long. Until 2018, happy holidays, everyone, and happy new year.